Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. The Soul of Business with Clarissa Montero on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to The Soul of Business on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero. Joining me on the phone is Himanshu Tambe, Accenture's Talent Organization and Human Potential Lead, Southeast Asia. Today we talk about Accenture's report care to do better, building trust to leave your people and your business net better off. Himanshu, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Clarissa. It's absolutely our pleasure. Now let's jump right in. With the finding that nearly two-thirds or 64% of people's potential at work is defined as using and developing their skills each day. And this is influenced by whether or not they feel better off across emotional and mental, relational, physical, financial, purposeful and employable. Tell us more about what that all means. Right. So, Clarissa, it's, it's really um, opportune and quite appropriate that I'm discussing a report by the title Care to Do Better on a, soul that, uh, on, a, on, a, on a show that's titled Soul of Business, right? Because this really cuts to the soul of the issue. Mm-hmm. So, talking a little bit about this report, we actually um, launched this research early this year, even before the pandemic. And we were talking to workers and executives across the world. In fact, we've surveyed more than 15,000 workers uh, and about 3,000 executives across 15 industries uh, in 10 countries. And we were really asking them what really matters to them. And then as we were doing that, the pandemic hit, and we decided to do the show survey again, all over again, Mm -hmm. and ask the same question yet again because the context had changed. And uh, what we found, and then we did some, you know, step regression and hierarchical uh, regression methods to understand the variables that really contributed. And uh, we found these six. And uh, what we've done is to frame it in the context of what we call net better off. In a way, it is similar to the idea of net promoter score, right, which is something that the marketing folks have used for a long time. And they use it as a way of measuring uh, the customer's perception of the brand, and their loyalty to the, to the brand. What we have done is frame this as the net better off, which is a measure that inspires and underst- helps understand the employee's potential. And if you think about it, this actually falls into three categories of things. So the first category of uh, factors are those which are related to me. So they're either about my financial security or my physical security or how I feel mentally and emotionally and how employable I am. So it's all about the me factor. Then there are a few which are the B factor, right? Which is everything around what is my social and relational capital. And then finally, there is the us factor, which is the purpose. So that's how we think about it, these six factors, and how they come together to actually help a person realize his or her potential the best. Were the results that were coming out after COVID-19 hit different from the earlier results in any way? So, interesting you asked that, Clarissa. One aspect was very interesting. You know, pre-pandemic, when we asked people uh, in terms of the role of the business or the role of the leader in in helping them uh, be better off, 67% of the employees actually said that they believe that the employer is responsible for helping them. 
but only 35% of the CXOs agreed. And actually in Singapore, it was only 25% of the CXOs who agreed with that statement. Post-pandemic, while 78% of the employees felt that way, the CXO percentage, the folks of people among the CXOs who agreed with that had gone up to 50%. What that suggested to me is that the pandemic has really helped to align the C-suite executives Mm -hmm. and has nudged them closer to the workers' perspective on what the employer's responsibilities are. So actually it's probably brought out the human and the humanity in all of us. Which is not a bad thing at all. It's fantastic. It is fabulous that these key six human needs that you've identified will promote a better working relationship between the individual, the job, and by extension, the company. Now, the question, of course, is once you have a report and you have findings, what actions can a company take to incorporate these findings into their corporate culture? And look, I think there are several things that a company can do, but I'm just going to list three. Mm-hmm. Right? The first one, we talked extensively about it in the report, is about how you break functional silos in an organization and how you support collaboration, right? Within the team, across teams, and in fact, even beyond the organization into the ecosystem. Because at the end of the day, this is all about helping people feel that they have uh, a network and they have relational capital. The second, and there is a lot of conversations and a lot of academic literature on this today as well, which is, helping the individual align their personal purpose to the organization's purpose. So first of all, being able to articulate what the organization's purpose is, how it contributes not just to its customers, but to its stakeholders, and including the community around them, and helping people sort of find themselves in that organization's purpose. So that's the second. And then I think the third is really helping understand and address the basic needs of employability, as in helping a person feel that he or she is always current and relevant. And, and so those are among the other recommendations that this report makes. Okay. We're speaking with Himanshu Tambe, Accenture's Talent Organization and Human Potential Lead Southeast Asia. Now, the report highlights five sweet spot practices. Now, if someone was reading it, they'd see the chart that that came along with those practices, but could you break it down for our listeners? Sure, sure, absolutely. And actually, the first of the five sweet spot practices uh, is the one that I was talking about in, in response to your earlier question, Clarissa, mm-hmm. which is all about helping every single employee to feel that he or she is future relevant. In Singapore, the Singapore service suggests that you know employees who experience this practice are much more likely to recommend their employer to others than as compared to those who don't. So this is all about helping people understand the future roles, future skills, and then helping them to pivot to these new roles, which includes learning and development in its broadest sense. The second of these practices is about listening to the frontline, but also providing them enough information to be able to take decisions. So this is all about what we call edge-based decision-making. So actually providing our frontline employees with enough information and with enough authority, actually, to be able to take decisions, but also listening to them. The third one is making it safe to work from home. In fact, I would say making it safe to work from anywhere. Mm -hmm. 
And I think we are moving away from the work from home concept increasingly to work from anywhere and anytime. And so making this physically safe, enabling flexible work arrangements, et cetera, et cetera, those are, that's the third practice. The fourth is all about well-being and equality. And so this goes into the aspect of addressing the relational needs of the employees. And the fifth, which is uh, probably, in my view, one of the more difficult ones to address, is around setting and sharing your people metrics, setting accountability for diversity, for example, being transparent and engaging in intentional conversations around those things that really matter to your people. Uh, and just one last thing, Clarissa, so these sweet spot practices, we actually discovered them because we looked at those organizations where the net better off score, scores were high. And we looked at the type of practices these organizations have put in place. And that's how we came up with these five. Now, you brought up flexible work arrangements, work from home mm-hmm. or work from anywhere. Now, right now, a lot of companies are deploying that out of necessity for safe social distancing and what have you. Now, has that flexibility improved productivity? And do you think at this point we should be looking at this as a permanent new work model? You know, you've asked a difficult question, Clarissa, and I think the jury is out on that one. Okay. And I know there are many organizations that have taken the decision to work permanently from home, mm-hmm. Twitter being one of them, and there are several others, including um, a few manufacturing organizations. And actually, the results are a little mixed. There have been studies done by Howard, which show that there's an actual increase in productivity of about four and a half, five percent If you allow people the flexibility to work from wherever they like, that is provided the entire workforce works in that way. Not in a hybrid, but the entire workforce working at all. But there's also enough data right now to suggest that, you know, some people complain about an inability to focus, they feel the pressure, and and so on and so forth, right? So it's not, I don't think this is something that will work for everyone, Mm -hmm. because not all people are alike. For that matter, not all jobs are the same. And certainly not all organizations are equipped in the same way to be able to deal with remote working. So I, I personally feel that, you know, if an organization thinks about this as flexible working, as opposed to working from home, uh, and is able to flex its policies and is able to flex its job structuring, actually, in such a way that you leave every single person net better off, then it potentially has an opportunity to work. So, in other words, it really depends. There is no one answer, one, one size fits all, is what you're saying. Correct. All right. Now, in speaking with mental health and and executive search professionals on this show, it seems that COVID-19 has exposed blind spots, not just in the way companies support their staff, but a more serious one is that perhaps some bosses are not equipped to deal with findings such as yours because they don't have the skill sets or understanding to make full use of the information. So what can companies do or what should they do? do to develop the bosses themselves? Yeah, that's a really important consideration, actually. And this is all about helping us as managers to build trust and, most importantly, build psychological safety within their teams. Mm. And many things that we took for granted in a, in a face-to-face setting 
for example, the fact that we all have the same shared context is actually not true the moment you are in a virtual setting. And so putting in place deliberate practices to be able to exchange that context between those who are in different locations, possibly even in different time zones in in times to come, uh, is important, as an example. The other thing is about, you know, giving and receiving feedback and providing recognition on a regular basis. This is not something we as managers typically have been needing to do in the past. Mm -hmm. In fact, feedback has been a rather ad hoc process. But I think that's one more change that managers will have to make. So I think there are a few specific changes in protocols and practices, very practical tips that we can offer managers. And through that, help them build that trust and that psychological safety with their teams. Right. We're speaking with Himanshu Tambe, Accenture's Talent Organization and Human Potential Lead, Southeast Asia. I'd zoom in on one of your five sweet spot practices because this clearly is more about leadership of a company. Set and share your people metrics. Set accountability for diversity and equality. Be transparent and engage in intentional conversations that matter to your people. It was found that Singaporean employees who experience this practice have more positive experiences at their employer, up to 73%, compared to those who do not experience this practice, 51%. Clarity and transparency is possibly the hardest thing for leadership to achieve. So how do they do this? It is indeed one of the tougher areas, um, and I, I referenced this earlier, especially in societies where it's taboo to talk about certain sensitive topics like, let's say, racial diversity or volunteerism or human rights or safety. But I think it's almost an expectation now that companies and managers have open conversations on this topic, set targets on diversity and inclusion, make it okay to talk about these uh, topics openly. I mean, you referenced mental health a little while ago, Clarissa, and I'm really very pleased that I've seen a lot more organizations through this pandemic do specific things around helping it to be okay to talk about mental health at the workplace. Set up ally programs and even within Accenture, we have done a fair amount in terms of setting up new employee assistance programs and mental health ally programs and training people as allies and things like that. So I think those are the type of topics which recognize that the person uh, is a full human being beyond what is expected to do at work, has facets to him or her which need to be recognized and therefore person needs to be sort of looked after holistically. So this is a, this is a difficult area because it requires a huge paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. There were the days when people were expected to fit to organizations. I think the days are coming where now organizations are going to have to flex to be able to fit to people. That's very interesting, and you're right. That is a definite paradigm shift for a lot of organizations, <laughs> yes. especially Indeed. Asian ones. Indeed. It's interesting that you bring up mental health because in the last few months I have spoken to a lot of companies that have introduced, you know, finally, I think, introduced mental health support, particularly in the face of working from home, and, and that it has created all kinds of trouble. Some people like that interaction with their colleagues and the bosses in the office, and they struggled not having it. 
So I think that's a conversation that will continue to have to be had between employers and employees. So what would you say is the most important takeaway from this report for employers? Yeah, I think I would list three. So the first one is leaving employees and workers net better off makes good business sense. You do it not just because it is good societal service, but it actually helps the top line. In fact, our research shows that even through the pandemic, while some companies that have not adopted these sweet spot spot practices have seen a decline of about 4.7% in the revenues, as compared to those who who have, they've seen an uplift of 5%. So that's, you know, a total change of about 10% or so. So That's one. Second, trust is a shared responsibility between HR and between business, right? So adopting those five sweet spot practices and actually helping the organization build trust with its employees is critical. And the third and the last one I would say is the role of HR has changed quite significantly. Uh, It had been changing even before, and I think the pandemic has brought it into the spotlight even much more. So HR needs to adopt a new ethos, new skills, and new relationships. And I think that partnership between HR and business to deliver the trust to the employees is, is probably what is the most important agenda of the day. Well, hopefully some uh, human resource, human talent acquisition people were listening to that last bit. I can't say I disagree with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Clarissa. We've been speaking with Himanshu Tambe, Accenture's talent organization and human potential lead Southeast Asia. Thank you so much, Himanshu. It has been a pleasure. Likewise. Appreciate the opportunity, Clarissa. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'm Clarissa Montero for the Workday Afternoon. This is Money FM 89.3, Singapore's most influential radio station. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.